of It's Not You, It's Them, But It Might Be You. So our Monday episodes will feature current news stories, things that are popping off on social media, or just generally things that are relevant and interesting to you. You can find me on Wednesdays answering listeners' dilemmas and questions. And on Friday, we will make my Instagram come alive in audio form with ick stories, is this a red flag, fuckboy replies, and all sorts of other fun stuff to get you heading into the weekend in the right mood. So if you want to suggest a topic for us to discuss on the Monday episode, please send it to my Instagram at ask la 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 let me explain which is a separate instagram page for you to send anything that you would like to ask or submit or send in for us to discuss on any of the episodes of this podcast have you seen the clips doing the rounds on social media of the amazing feminist writer Catelyn moran talking about her new book what about men on lots of different podcasts and radio shows and explaining why she feels that actually it's now time for feminists to take our focus off girls and put it onto boys, and also why she's the best person to be doing this and speaking up for boys. If you haven't heard any of these clips, have a little listen. We've spent so much time talking about the problems of women and girls, rightly, but if you look at the stats on boys, they're the ones most likely to fall behind educationally, the ones most likely to be excluded from school, the ones most likely to be addicted to drugs or, or um, uh, alcohol or pornography, the ones most likely to go to jail, they're the ones most likely to be homeless. The leading cause of death for men under the age of 50 in this country is still suicide. So when you start looking at that all together, you go, we have spent so much time making girls proud and joyful and able to campaign for their own rights, but we kind of have neglected our boys for this generation. So I need to start by saying that actually I had to think quite a lot about whether it was okay for me to do this episode because actually one of the worst things that I think women can do is be out here arguing with each other about feminism and coming for each other when, when really, of course, it's just so much better for us to be unified and have solidarity. Although, of course, we're not going to agree with each other all the time, but I just think it's not that helpful for feminists to have big arguments with each other publicly. So I'm not here to argue and I'm not here to have a go at Catelyn as a person. But what I do think is it needs to be addressed because I just felt really sad when I saw it all. And I felt sad because we don't have that many very prominent, staunch feminist voices out here. We've got loads of women with platforms, loads of women saying their thing and doing their thing. But people who are actually out here as prominent feminist writers, I mean, there's loads, but current modern ones, we don't have such a huge pick of them. And Catelyn Moran's book, How to Be a Woman, and then her follow-up book, More Than a Woman, were both runaway successes and really spoke to a generation of women when they, or when the first one was released 12 years ago. But to see feminism spoken about in this way by a leading feminist is kind of worrying. And I'm not sure whether she is aware of how much these clips feed into the manosphere arguments about men's issues being caused by women. It's very reminiscent of the misogyny grifters that we spoke about last week. 
So all of Catelyn's stats about boys falling behind educationally, most likely to be excluded from school, addicted to drugs and porn, etc., are all completely true. There is no doubt that boys are facing issues, that girls are facing at different rates or lesser rates. This is absolutely true. And we could find a number of other stats, absolutely loads of stats that reflect other ways in which men and boys suffer uh, at much more disproportionate rates than women. There is absolutely no question in anyone's mind that men suffer. Men have it hard. Women have it hard too. Trans people have it hard. We could literally roll out a bunch of stats right now to counteract everything that she has just mentioned. We could say that women are more likely to attempt suicide. Women are more likely to die in car crashes because crash test dummies and seatbelts are designed for men. Women are twice as likely to have depression than men. And women and girls are most likely to be trafficked for either sex or labour. But all of those stats, all of these things about men being more likely to die by suicide, men being more likely to be homeless, they have always been. These are not new phenomenons. This is not a case of all of a sudden we're noticing that boys are really suddenly falling behind. Boys are suddenly much more prone to attempting suicide. These things have always been. Boys have always been more likely to go to prison. That doesn't prove to us that suddenly feminism has allowed boys to fail. We could pick up any of Helena Kennedy, Casey's books on the criminal justice system and how it negatively impacts on women. In her book, Eve Was Framed, she says, when sentencing, judges typically take insufficient account of the fact that women are still the primary carers and fail to see that the sentencing system is formulated with men in mind. The number of women sent to prison has more than doubled in 10 years without any real change in the nature of women's offending. 84% of women are held for non-violent offences despite the constant refrain that prison should only be used for violent offenders or those committing serious crimes. Men have always been more likely to be homeless, but then women are more likely to be abused when homeless. According to a survey by Crisis Charity, nearly one in four female rough sleepers has been sexually assaulted in the past year. Three in ten female rough sleepers have experienced sexual violence at some point while homeless, and nearly six in ten have been intimidated or threatened with violence in the past year, compared to four out of ten male rough sleepers. So we can wheel out all these arguments, but then we can wheel out other arguments. And why are we fighting about who has it hardest? The major flaw in this what about men narrative being framed as a question that's necessary because of society's flawless dedication to the empowerment of women is that the root cause of men's suffering, all of those higher rates of things, they don't have women at the centre. We are not the cause. Whereas for women, our biggest vulnerability, threat and risk factor continues to be men. So for us to achieve better outcomes, for the things that disproportionately impact on us as a gender, we need men to stop doing things and to start doing others. Childcare, for example. But for men's outcomes to be improved, women specifically can't do anything other than support the cause, support the men in their lives, support the ending of the systems and structures that are negatively affecting men. But it's not about us going up to women and saying, stop doing this to men in the streets, stop burdening your husbands with 90% of the domestic and child. There's not 
tangible things that your everyday woman can do to stop men being vulnerable, where it is the case the other way around. Let's work as a society to make boys better, to help them to thrive and achieve and help these stats to even out. But the problem is that this conversation seems to happen in a way that suggests that the empowerment and liberation of women... And also, don't forget, we literally had to be liberated from male ownership and control. And if you're a proper feminist who cares about intersectionality, then you'll still give a shit about the fact that many women around the globe still live under extremely restrictive regimes that deny them education and who are yet to be liberated from absolute male superiority and domination. But the problem with the framing of this conversation is it suggests that our liberation was at the detriment of men. It sounds as though women were being celebrated so much and encouraged so much to be joyful and happy and excited to be a woman that everyone took their eyes off boys and that this is what's created a generation of men who are suffering with porn addiction and higher rates of suicide These poorer outcomes for boys have nothing to do with feminism or the celebration of girls. So I think it's really important to acknowledge the fact that we all have our own issues. All of us, regardless of gender, may suffer with debt, depression, homelessness, family issues, employment issues, unemployment, all sorts of things because life is hard. Life is shit for everyone. While boys are less likely to do well at school, women have to face the fact that even though we're doing better at school than boys, men are more likely to walk into higher paid jobs than we are. There are equivalents for women to every male issue and there are probably equivalents for men to a lot of the female issues that we speak about apart from one, which is the fact that our biggest issue to this day and since the dawn of time is literally caused by men. Sexual violence and domestic violence perpetrated by male partners, ex-partners or relatives are literally the biggest ongoing problem for women and girls globally. And my fight for feminism continues because every woman I know has experienced sexual violence, usually multiple times. Now, a lot of men have experienced sexual violence, usually, not always, perpetrated by other men. A lot of men have experienced domestic abuse and domestic homicide and domestic violence. Again, often perpetrated by men, sometimes perpetrated by women. But men do not have to go around the world fearing constantly for their safety because of women. Men and boys have problems. Some aspects of life are much harder for men. Other aspects of life are much harder for women. Some aspects of life are much harder for trans and non-binary people. Every human is going to be vulnerable to issues and everyone's gender or non-gender could potentially have an influence on what they're more vulnerable to. And the leading cause behind all of it actually is our shit governments and shit hierarchical structures and social constructs and corrupt world leaders. Our institutions and infrastructures are absolutely shit for most of us and most especially for working class people. Poverty is a huge factor. Race, disability, the policy choices that dictate the area where you live, 
all have such a huge impact on fucking with all of our everyday lives. But the thing that is the most crucial and most important is the impact of the patriarchy, which is fucking us all. A man who sinks into addiction, depression and debt, but still flashes a Rolex to fit in with the toxic male version he thinks he needs to be, is being fucked up the arse by the patriarchy. It is something that harms men and women equally. But for women, we have a very specific problem relating mainly to heterosexual sex and relationships, control, violence and abuse, intensified by the burdens of motherhood, constant childcare, constantly having to put yourself second to run a household and raise your children, very often doing the absolute lion's share. So to frame it in this way plays right into the hands of the people that Catelyn claims to have been fighting against for years There is a big feminism has gone too far brigade all over the internet and they have long been shouting about how women's rights are now trumping men's rights. They're constantly using false statistics about family courts, false statistics about rape claims and for a leading feminist to assert in some way that men's problems have occurred because we've been far too focused on women, A, is just completely wrong and not based on fact But also it suggests to me that she hasn't been listening because I follow a number of amazing feminists online, male and female feminists, who have been really, including me, actually, and I really hope that people have seen this. I'm the mother of a son and including boys in my feminism is so fucking important to me. And I do not want to enable or empower girls at the expense of boys. That would make no sense because if we want a strong generation of men who are clear and healthy in their masculinity, then... That will make life easier for women and girls in the long run. If we teach boys what healthy masculinity is versus toxic masculinity, then inevitably girls will have a better and easier ride. There are so many examples on the internet of feminists, including boys in their feminism. Intersectional feminism wants to smash the patriarchy. It wants to smash the systems and infrastructures that make it harder for boys to report rape if they are raped, that make it harder for a man to admit that he is in a toxic or frightening relationship. We really want to change those things. But the way to change those things is certainly not to frame it in a way that women's problems are now solved and and we have to look at how solving those women's problems has been detrimental to men because that's just not the truth do you ever wonder how celebrities order food like is sarah paulson a diet coke or a regular coke girly (laughs) some peasant coke no or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Hi guys, it's me and I'm here to tell you about another Sony Music Entertainment podcast. Now I know you all like to have a deeper look and get under the skin of a subject, so I think you're going to love getting curious with the fabulous Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye. 
Every week, they deep dive into conversations with a variety of experts on some really, really important and eye or ear opening topics like the history of abortion and the science of sleep. Get excited, get curious and listen to Getting Curious wherever you get your podcasts. And they don't really have anyone standing up going, what's good about being a man? We've grown up in an era where it's all about the girls. We're so proud. We can tell our teenage girls to be proud about every aspect of their lives. But the idea of sitting down and telling your teenage boy, be proud of your body in the way that we do about girls. Be positive about how you look. You know, you're part of a brotherhood. The future is male. Like, kind of, here's a list of 50 amazing young men that are doing things. We just don't have those lists. It is all about the girls at the moment. I hate to say it, but I feel like part of the problem here is that Catelyn didn't do much research. I think she kind of sat around a table in North London with her people and her friends, but she didn't really look around and research that actually these conversations are happening. Asserting that there are no lists of 50 amazing men for boys to be inspired by is just absolutely wild. Has she not seen the Forbes list, which is predominantly men? Because men are still 87% of the world's richest people. Everywhere you look, there are male role models. Male speaking characters outnumbered their female counterparts 63% to 37% in the 100 highest grossing domestic films of 22, according to The Hollywood Reporter. An analysis of senior leadership in the FTSE 350 largest companies listed on the stock exchange showed that 96% of all of their CEOs were men. It is crazy to suggest that men don't have any inspiration. Men are not short of role models. Luis Capaldi's been doing amazing things recently just by being open and prominent with some of his mental health problems. Marcus Rashford has done amazing things for young boys and fighting for children in poverty to get the help that they need. Roman Kemp did a really amazing documentary about male suicide and about losing his friend. Deli Ali has just recently come out on Gary Neville's podcast to talk about the fact that he was sexually abused and how that impacted on his life. The resources and the campaigns are there. Men are talking and they have been talking. There are amazing podcasts for men, including Brobriety, which is a focus on men's mental health and substance misuse. There's a podcast called Man Up, which is the UK's mental health podcast for men. And even things like Joe Rogan, which I know is a contentious one because there's been lots of examples of racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, whatever, whatever awful thing you want has probably been on that podcast but there is also there a space for men to talk about their vulnerabilities to talk about accessing therapy the history of suicide poor mental health there's lots of ways in which they can use that space to talk about how they can improve their problems therapy is often encouraged on that podcast there are books like Robert Webb, How Not to Be a Boy Jack Donovan, The Way of Men Grayson Perry, The Descent of Man there are projects everywhere, Insta accounts like Raising Boys to Men, Mentivity, Men's Minds Matter. There's even something called the Haringey Man Project. And I mention this because Catelyn lives in Haringey and she would have only had to Google some of this incredible work that is happening. And actually what we should be doing is campaigning for more money and more resources and more prominence for these amazing spaces and services for men 
that have largely been decimated by this government. Actually, what we should be doing is having a political fight together, unified as one, for mental health services to be improved, for education to be improved. These are structural government issues. But actually what Catelyn seems to have done is just gone, well, none of this exists. It's not there because I've never heard of it. And it's really sad that an opportunity wasn't taken to go around, meet some of these projects, speak to these men, find out what it is that men really need, rather than framing it as we've taken our eye off the boys in favour of the girls and the boys have failed. Because that's really not what's happened here. It's wild because I heard a clip of Catelyn talking about the fact that her daughter's friends asked her to tell the boys what they should be reading, tell them a TV show or a website or something about the problems of boys and men, they asked her, that's positive and that's good and that will make them understand that it's not their fault. And Catelyn literally says, I couldn't think of anything. I couldn't think of any book, play, TV show or movie that basically tells the story of how boy children become men. And what being a man is, can I just say, has she never heard of Billy Elliot, Stand By Me or even Star Wars? And I'm always still team tits, you know, my girls are my girls. (laughs) But we need to, you know, that's the other half of the population. And, you know, half of women's problems usually are men, you know, angry men, sad men, men who are struggling in their lives. And if we can fix the boys, we can fix the girls. So for me, this is the second half of feminism. We've, We've done all this stuff for the girls. Let's use these rules to help the boys. We've been helping boys this whole time. We've been featuring men in movies and books and painting men in a really strong masculine light across media. And that's fucking great. But we cannot make a dent on the disproportionate rates of male violence against women and girls without discussing men in a negative light. We haven't solved male violence against women and girls. And the point I really, really want to emphasise here is that... We all have problems, all caused by society, but that women have specific problems that are specifically caused by men. And if we could just get the men to stop raping and murdering us, then we would all be on a more even keel around our problems academically and with mental health and depression and suicide and all of that. We cannot do it without discussing men. I don't know how we're supposed to go about this because it sounds as though what's being said is we've been demonising men We've been telling them that they're bad. We've been telling them that they're all rapists and murderers, which actually we haven't. What we have been trying to do is tackle and address the toxic masculinity and rape culture that allows this kind of thing to still be prevalent. But I just don't see how we can do it without saying, boys, men, you are causing one of our biggest issues and we need to talk about this. We need to talk about the behaviours that need to change. We need to talk about the ways in which we know that if you were to change this behaviour, less women would die, less women would be raped, more rape convictions would be happening in courts because juries wouldn't be blaming women for their own rapes. So yes, I think it's important to find a really fine balance between having those conversations while still boosting men and bolstering them and telling boys that actually there is something to be really proud of in being a man, that being masculine is good and it is okay. It's just the toxic bit that's causing problems and that we need to address. And I think what really comes across out of these clips from Catelyn is that she doesn't really know what mums of boys are doing or what fathers are doing in this modern generation because this idea that we are not telling boys to be proud of their bodies in the same way that we do with girls is just utter nonsense for absolutely everyone that I know personally 
And I know a lot of Catelyn's, you know, assertions are based on her personal knowledge and not much research. But really, honestly, from being connected to the internet and Instagram and loads of parenting pages, this really is happening. Certainly in my household, my boy is being taught to clean his genitals and to look after them and to have confidence in himself and teaching him to be ultra proud of himself no matter what he looks like. This idea that sad, angry men have been caused by the self-love movement for women is just crazy. They've always been sad and angry because society has shat on us all and life is hard. But at least they can go for a run at night. At least the most likely place for them to get murdered isn't their own home. So platform the men who are already doing the work instead of clumsily making it look like we can't do both works at the same time and as if we haven't actually already been doing it. Maybe Catelyn's feminism didn't include men up until this point, but a lot of us, it really has. We want happy, confident, secure men and boys who aren't boxed into ideas about what it means to be a man. But we are not going to achieve that by suggesting that everything's done for women and we just need to focus on the boys now. So if you are listening to this on the day that it comes out, then head to my Instagram at la 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 let me explain where we will be talking about this topic. I'll post it up on my stories. I'll get people's views and we'll get lots of uh, interaction on this one. I'd love to hear what you think. Have you got any men that you know of online who are balancing things out and doing really good things uh, in the feminism space? Let me know. Head to my Instagram now. And that's us for another day. But I will be back on Wednesday with my Agony Aunt feature where I'll be answering listeners' questions. And then on Friday, we'll be doing all the fun stuff, dating dilemmas, Friday reminders. So come back again in a couple of days. Love you. Bye. This has been a Sony Music Entertainment production. <laughs>